All right, guys, we're going to get started right now with our time of teaching. And to set up our time of teaching, I have the privilege of introducing my wife, uh, Jackie Rogers. And, uh, and so we, what we'll be doing today is continuing our series in Salt and Light. Uh, it's, a, it's a teaching series that's rooted in Jesus' teaching and the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. And the teaching is really answering the question, what kind of impact should churches have on the society around them? Like, how can we impact the society around us as we're stored uptown? And so last week it was Easter, uh, but prior to that, we unpacked who the church is, according to Jesus. If it's doing its job right, we are salt and light. And we got into what that means and, 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 and what that means for us, what that means for the world around us. And now we're going to talk about not who the church is, salt and light, but how the church can live out being salt and light. Like, what strategies can the church use? And so two weeks ago, Maria talked about evangelism, this idea of helping people come into a relationship with Jesus by sharing our faith. Uh, in future weeks, we're going to be talking about vocation and prayer and justice and family. But today, again, we have the privilege of hearing from Jackie, uh, my wife, and actually the first member of the church planning team that started this church, right? Like, if she wasn't on board, it wasn't happening. And I've asked her to speak on hospitality, not because she's my wife, but because she embodies welcoming people into her life that are so different from her. I don't know if you guys have caught this, but we live in a society that says you cannot befriend, never mind love someone who is different to you or disagrees with you on big things. And Jackie pushes back on that message and welcomes people into her life without pretending like she, has, she doesn't have convictions. Jesus never changed what he believed, but he loved people. He met them. He welcomed them into his life. He didn't compromise who he was, but he welcomed people to him. And so with Jackie, whether it's a—she um, uh, welcomes people that, that are very different into her life, whether it's a Muslim woman or an elderly man— or a neighbor with special needs, or a neighbor who's in hospice, or a gay couple, or a parent who is at their wit's end and struggling with a wild toddler who's acting out. Jackie welcomes so many different people into her life who are different from her in a ton of different ways. And in that way, she reflects Jesus in the area of hospitality and in, in, in ways that honestly blow my mind. So that's why she's speaking this morning. And I hope that you'll open your heart to her as she does. So come on up, um, Jackie. Hi guys, welcome, good morning. Um, before we get started, I'm just gonna pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much uh, that you love us. Thank you so much that we um, can look to you for all of the teaching that we need. You're so gracious um, in that. And we love you, God. Help us experience your love more, amen. Um, so today we're talking about uh, the habit of hospitality. And I want you guys to take a deep breath with me. I want to see some fresh rice. So right now we're actually experiencing the hospitality of God. I'm going to come back to that in just a bit. Um, if I'm honest, this feels like the right time uh, to be having a conversation about hospitality. Did you guys know that there is now a one-word, two-syllable, universal phrase that can be used to describe a variety of things, including, but not limited to, canceling plans, calling in sick, last-minute changes, showing up late, 
or just summing up any unmet ex expectation. Can anyone guess what it is? One word, two syllables. COVID. It's COVID. Um, we've had, we've tried to uh, have a family barbecue three times. It's gotten canceled. You know why? COVID. Uh, when you call in sick, you call your boss. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> uh, showing up late. You guys, I think I may have had COVID, but I'm here now, so it's fine, right? <laughs> um, I just everything in general, we've, we have this phrase, and it's just COVID. COVID has messed with so many areas of our life and has had some very serious applications for some people. Um, but by now, many of us have popped our COVID bubbles, if you will. Uh, we're engaging in face-to-face um, interactions with extended family and friends. And many of us are back in the offices. Many of us are back on our kids' school campuses. Um, and in doing this, many of our routines and habits have uh, returned or are returning to normal. And as they do, I just want to exhort us to make a habit of hospitality. And there's a concept that I'm sure a lot of you know called the rule of life. And it's not a new one. It's actually a very old one. Some of the first Christians adopted habits that were intended to shape their communities in the love of God. And the Latin root word for rule that they used was connotated as a bar or trellis a framework to allow something growing to flourish. So we're commanded in the scriptures to be hospi hospitable people. And I want us to see it as an invitation and an opportunity to partner with God in loving those around us. So today I'll be uh, talking about making a habit of biblical hospitality and I have four points for us. My first point is what biblical hospitality is not. My second point, what biblical hospitality is. My third point, what keeps us from it. And four, how Jesus makes us hospitable people. So point one, what biblical hospitality is not. So it's not throwing a great party. And by all means, please throw amazing, cute, fun parties. Invite me to them. I want to come to them, okay? But don't call that alone hospitality. Uh, when you can, go ahead pull out all the stops, go the extra mile, use the glass plates, but know that this is entertaining. Um, also, hospitality is not just for outgoing extroverts. You introverts, don't worry, I won't call you out by name. I know you'd hate that. But you introverts can be who you are and be hospitable without changing your personality, without changing your Enneagram number, and it's kind of funny, in our home, uh, we have an active debate going on because a certain someone <laughs> is claiming, Andy Rogers for the record, is claiming to be an introvert. Okay, okay, I think, I think it's decided. I think we've just decided here, yes, okay. So you don't have to be an extrovert or loud to, <laughs> to be a hospitable person. Also, hospitality, this one might be a bit controversial, but hospitality is not opening up or being vulnerable on social media. I think that this is a counterfeit hospitality. I think that so, uh, so many people, our hearts and our minds are um, 
tricked by this. I think some of you might say, I reach out to friends that are struggling on social media, or I let people into my life or into my struggles. Um, I talk about my imperfections. I'm not perfect. I talk about Jesus there. Like, I witness there. Um, or I create safe spaces for others. And I agree. I think that you can create spaces for others. I think that you can be as genuine as you can be with a limited word count. Uh, but please remember, friends, that you are still behind a well-curated, usually unrealistic photo where the message we actually shout louder is do as I say, not as I do. So you say, I'm not perfect, I'm not perfect. And then you have a perfect picture of your family. And I just want us to remember, you know, we all know the phrase, the picture is worth a thousand words. And I think it's really true. I don't condemn any of you for doing this. I myself personally have done this so many times and given into this idea of a counterfeit hospitality through social media. And it's actually uh, one of the reasons why I'm not on social media anymore. For me personally, I feel like I don't want to contribute to the false narrative that's there. And I want you guys to know, I don't think social media is the enemy. It's not. But I also don't think it's the answer to living out biblical hospitality. So in the scriptures, guess what? Everyone's called to it. Uh, Romans 12:13 says, "Contribute to the needs of the saints and re and seek to show hospitality." First Peter 4:9 says, "Show hospitality to one another without grumbling," which is hard sometimes. Uh, Hebrews 13:1 through 2 says, "Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares." My second point is, what is biblical hospitality then? And let's start by defining what I mean by biblical hospitality. So uh, a while back, Andy gave me a book, because he is very good at giving books. Um, and it's called The Simplest Way to Change the World, Biblical Hospitality as a Way of Life. And in this book, it has a definition that I thought was so helpful. I wanted to share it with us. It says, opening your home and life to others so that they may experience Christ's love and forgiveness. I'll read that one more time. The definition that this book gives of, of hospitality, biblical hospitality, is opening your home and your life to others so they may experience Christ's love and forgiveness. And before I talk about opening our home and our life, I want to define what others are. And by others, I mean your neighbors or your coworkers or people who are unlike you. We don't need the Spirit's help to welcome people into our homes and lives who are exactly like us. That usually comes naturally. Um, say there's a cliche millennial couple who moves into a complex. They befriend another cliche millennial couple who drinks the same beer as they do, who buys the same overpriced coffee at the same overpriced coffee shops as they do who love to reminisce about all things 90s and early 2000s, just like they do. No one says, wow, oh my gosh, Jesus is so amazing and unites such diverse people. Like, no one says that, right? Uh, it's basically, they're the same person, so it makes sense. But if that same couple befriends a Muslim refugee family who do not drink alcohol, 
or a single parent whose budget doesn't have the luxury of being able to afford, you know, I'm not going to say the name because I love them, but doesn't have the luxury to afford drinking coffee out every single day of the week. Or befriends a baby, a baby boomer who thinks anything 90s is, dare I say, garbage. <laughs> when we befriend those people, people get to see a beautiful picture of the gospel. It's so much bigger than ourselves. Let's read Jesus' words from Matthew 5, verses 43 through 47. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? So Jesus says everyone loves those who are like them. That's a piece of cake. But he commands his disciples to love those who are others to them. I have two questions for us. My first question is, do we make space for others, the others I just defined, in our life currently? Do we make space for them? And two, do we really love the others that are in our life? So what would love practically look like? I love practical applications. I'm a very practical person. Let's look back at the definition of opening your home and opening your life. When I say opening your home, what I mean is intentionally inviting others into your home for coffee or tea, for meals, for parties, for cocktails, for viewing clubs, or watching games. It doesn't have to be perfect. And actually, it shouldn't be perfect. Um, I remember um, I was thinking back to a time that I've experienced this, and uh, I was a teenager, and I was going to Chris and Meryl Venon's church in L.A. Uh, my brother was attending, and we would drive up every so often to be a part of it. And they had this um, ongoing kind of Sunday lunch that would be hosted at different people's houses. And everyone just, it was like a potluck style. I don't even know what we ate. We ate probably off of paper plates, but there was such uh, it was so simple, but it was so warm. Anyone was invited to come. Everyone was welcome to be there. Um, and this is the type of hospitality I'm talking about when I'm saying inviting people into your home. Um, I want to commend you guys as a church. Uh, the way that you never cease to show hospitality to the brothers and sisters here just blows me away, guys. Um, all of us, if you think about it, were others at one point. Every single one of us sitting here were others at one point. And we've so graciously and generously been welcomed by different people in the community over time. Uh, I think to currently, right now, our GC hosts, our GC is hosted at the Shamasian's house. Um, they open up their home in a way that I always leave feeling God's love and care every single time. 
tonight. You guys are so amazing. I really appreciate that. Um, so I just want to encourage you guys, keep doing this. Keep cultivating church as a family. It's such a beautiful thing and such an important thing. But as you do, please don't forget the people who are still others. The people who do not know the radical love of Jesus still that are in our lives. And now when I say opening your life, so that was opening your home, opening your life, what I mean by this is taking the seemingly ordinary or insignificant areas of your life and harnessing them with gospel intentionality. Taking the seemingly ordinary or insignificant areas of your life and harnessing them with gospel intentionality. And this will look different for all of us. Uh, for me, here a couple examples for me is one is school pickup. Um, I am an introvert and I like to be efficient. So you can imagine my pain at school pickup. <laughs> There's so many people everywhere and it's always chaos. Um, but on days when our schedule allows for it, I stay, I let the kids play, I slow down and become more present and remember that God has me here for a reason. It's literally here on this campus. God has me here for a reason. It's been an opportunity, uh, to talk with other parents. I've shared parts of my story. I've listened to others share theirs. Um, I've been able to talk about misconceptions people have about Christianity or Christians or God or the church. I've had the opportunity to pray with people. I've shared the gospel with people. I've just listened to people. Taking that small, insignificant moment of picking up my kids from school that I would normally want to just in and out and saying, okay, God, what do you have for me here? What do you have for the people that I'm interacting with here? Listening is such a huge part of hospitality, guys. Um, the second way, um, as an example from my life, is befriending literal neighbors. Um, I have another question for you guys. Are you interruptible to help with a neighbor's needs? So just think about your life. Think about the, na the neighbors that you have. Picture their faces. Um, we had a very sweet old man named West, uh, who lived across the street from us. He was a great friend, and he passed away recently. And um, a gay couple moved in just a few months ago and bought a little Frenchie puppy. They named him Rowan after our street. And uh, they bought him shortly after moving in. Um, and both Andy and I have had many conversations with them. And I think it's safe to say we're becoming friends. Um, but just a couple weeks ago, we got a knock on the door and, uh, they were standing at their, our door and they said, have you seen Rowan and the puppy? And we were like, no, we haven't. And they said he has gotten out of the house and he's was little guys. I think he was only maybe 14 weeks old, little tiny puppy. Didn't, he didn't even have his collar on all of the time and he didn't have it on that day. Um, so the kids and I, we walked up and down our block and then we got in our car. We were like, we're going to drive around the neighborhood and, uh, the kids and I, we started praying. We started praying that Jesus would keep this little puppy safe and that we'd find him. And, um, I have to tell you guys, we love this dog. 
our family loves this dog. The kids, um, every time they see, it's our neighbors across the street, every time they see them coming out of the ho their house, they're like, can we go say hi to Rowan? I'm like, you guys, we cannot bombard them every single time they walk out of their house. Uh, but we do often still. Um, so they even do a, a like made you look game. <laughs> they'll be sitting on the couch and they'll say, Rowan's outside. <laughs> and someone will go and look out the window, but he's not actually outside. It's like, made you look. Um, anyways, okay, so the kids love this puppy. Um, so I'm asking everyone I see, we like grab a bag of treats, we get in the car, we're driving around. I'm asking basically everyone I see outside of their home or walking around, like, have you seen, you know, this little um, Frenchie puppy, brown, uh, he's very small, um, no luck at all. And uh, I end up running into Nick, one of the guys, and he's in tears and like just so stressed out. And I tell him like, We're, we'll keep helping you look um, for him. And so after about 40 minutes of looking and asking, we decided to head home. Um, and there was one more person I see and I decided to ask and I said the same thing I was saying to all of the people. Have you seen this cute little chubby Frenchy puppy? Um, and the guy says, yes. I have, we have him inside. And I was like, what? And um, I get on the phone with Nick and I tell him we found him. He was at a neighbor's. He had wandered down the street. Someone picked him up. Another neighbor took him from them. And I end up uh, bringing the puppy back. And um, we, the kids and I drove the, the puppy to their house and their both of them are just standing there in tears, and they're so incredibly thankful that we helped them look for their dog. And we got to share about how we were praying and praying for him. We were praying that he would be safe. We were praying that we could find him, and God answered our prayers. And um, you guys, when we got that knock at the door, I could have easily said, no, I haven't seen him, and shut the door and just thought, oh, wow, that sucks. Hope they find him. Put it on next door. No, seriously. And often, if I'm honest, there have been times that I've you know, not done that specific scenario, but it's like, oh, that's their problem. That's not my problem. But opening your life means that you're interruptible also. When you do that, you say, I see you, I hear you, I'm willing to help. And that's what we need more of. And that's what our neighbors and our friends, our families need more of. The Apostle Paul describes his apostolic ministry as a church planner in this way. In 1 Thessalonians 2.8, he says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. So this is what biblical hospitality is. This is what biblical hospitality isn't. My third point is what keeps us from it. So many things. So many things keep us from it. But for today, I just have two. You can come up with your own at home later. Um, my first one is comfort, and I get it. You're tired. I'm tired. I have three kids. I'm tired, guys. 
Um, life is hectic. Uh, you work long hours. You have family that you can consi- uh, constantly see. Um, and you think to yourself, how do I have time or space to have others in my home or life when I'm tired? I have another question for you. Are you a Christian? It's not a trick question. Are you Christian? Then pray. <laughs> Ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom from God. When to accept your limits. When to give yourself grace. And say, I, I can't today. I just can't today. And that's okay. I'm still covered with the blood of Jesus. I'm still fully loved and fully accepted. But also ask for the spirit to give you wisdom on when to push through and that he'd empower you to do it, that you could welcome in like you've been welcomed in. It's a little easier than we think at times to just ask God for what we need, ask him for wisdom. The second thing that I think keeps us from biblical hospitality is approval. And I can be susceptible to this one myself. Some of us want to impress people more than we want to love them. So we're waiting until we have the perfect house or the perfect life before we let other people in. And this means we actually never end up letting people in. And kind of taking it a step further and a little bit more focused is I think some of us need to start being more hospitable to the little disciples we have in our homes right now. What I mean by that is being okay with the mess, being okay with the spills, being okay with the conversations that are derailed time and time again with arguments and poop jokes or literal farting at the table. It's never happened in our house. I don't know why you guys would ask. (laughs) But being hospitable to our kids so that we can genuinely be hospitable to others and be men and women of integrity, mess and all. I think all of these things are amplified when we forget God's hospitality towards us. Through creation... And ultimately, in the gospel and what a great cost it was to him. This leads me to my final point, is how Jesus makes us hospitable people. The whole Bible is a story of God's hospitality. We see in creation that God created a world for us to live in. In Genesis 1, 28 through 30, it says, And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the ground on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And I want to take a second to look at the science of it. 
this year I've talked about uh, doing some homeschooling with Clive. I never thought I would homeschool a middle school age student, and I've learned more than I think I ever learned in my life. But uh, the science of this is just so amazing. If we think about our atmosphere and the different uh, layers to our atmosphere, let's start with the, the furthest out. It's called the exosphere. And this helps as a transitional medium to a gravity-influenced zone heading down because there's no gravity up in space, right? Um, the second uh, layer that coming downward is a thermosphere. It's a protective layer where rays from the sun are filtered so they don't scorch the earth, which is great, right? The mesosphere, another protective layer where meteors and asteroids are destroyed, most of them. Every now and then you have your occasional meteoroid, but for the most part it's doing its job. Uh, the stratosphere, another protective layer where the ozone is, which absorbs UV rays. And I want us to take one more breath before I tell us our last one. Take another deep breath with me. Our troposphere here on Earth where we can live and breathe oxygen. It's temperature controlled for the most part and allows weather to incur so we can have plants and life here. Before Adam and Eve arrived, God prepared a place so intentionally for them to welcome them into a perfect home, and we know a perfect life and relationship with God himself. Let's jump forward to Abraham in Genesis 12, 2. He says, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, that you will be a blessing. We see God welcoming Abraham into a new relationship, a new calling, where he'd be a father to many. We see God do this again with the Israelites. He welcomes them into a new land, and they take it for granted time and time again, like some people I know, us. God continues to welcome them in. So I mentioned the book that Andy gave me, and I just wanted to read a quote from it because it describes um, our condition and where we meet God um, so well. It says, throughout the saga of history, God consistently initiates relationship. He is a gracious host, constantly welcoming in wayward sinners who deserve his wrath. A people whose only hope is that he would show them undeserved hospitality. If ever there has been a stranger in need, someone completely excluded and hopeless, fully dependent on the grace of another, that is us. We were out in the cold, victims of our own folly, freezing to death from the coldness in our own hearts. And all throughout history, God opens the door, rescues us, and welcomes us back into relationship through, th sh through sheer inexplicable grace. And church, let me just tell you about Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate example of God's hospitality through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Jesus leaves his home and place in heaven to meet us where we are at. We are the others to Jesus. We are not like him, and we've proved that over and over and over and over and over again. 
But Jesus welcomes us into receiving his righteousness and his justification, his right standing with God and his perfect life on our behalf because we couldn't be perfect on our own. And we know that. And he ultimately welcomes us into a relationship where he wants to share both his home and his life with us for eternity. And that starts now. It starts today. Jesus turns us from others into sons and daughters, to brothers and sisters. I'm going to read Ephesians 2, verse 12 through 22 for us. It says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So biblical hospitality is a big, big deal to God. And cultivating this habit is a big, big deal. And let's not miss this opportunity to partner with God in welcoming others into our homes and into our lives. God's hospitality knows no bounds. And let's be people that are inspired and motivated by that same hospitality. Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore, welcome one, anon- one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Amen. I'm going to call Andy up right now, and he's going to share about an opportunity that we have, in addition to these things, not in place of, but in addition uh, to be hospitable and practice hospitality. Thanks, babe. Give it up for Jack. Um, give honor honors due. Um, so real quick, uh, Jack described in general this idea of welcoming people into our lives and our homes, and that can happen at an individual level, um, but also much of what's written in the New Testament about that happens at a corporate level. And so one of the things we've been kind of racking our minds thinking about is how to welcome people into the corporate life of our church. And so uh, as a way to do that and talk about that, I want to invite Maria Orta up to um, just take about five to ten minutes to walk us through um, how we can do that together in this next season.
Good morning, guys. So as most of you know, um, we've been up here a couple times talking about how it is that we kind of want to create a bridge um, for you guys to actually be able to invite people into our community in a way, um, people who you know, people who the Holy Spirit might be doing something in. So we're going to be launching Alpha soon. <laughs> um, but I want to share a story with you guys um, before we get into the details of that. Um, some of you know uh, me and my story a little bit, but when I was 15, um, I felt like I wanted to go to church. Um, my family was Catholic, kind of Catholic background, but I had never, ever heard the gospel like preached. And so one day I got on my computer, um, as one does, and I Googled church. And I ended up at this little church around the corner. Um, actually, just I lived in like these apartments, and my high school was, well, my middle school and my high school were right across the street. And then this church was actually just about probably a half a mile just down the road. And I, before I went, I asked a lot of questions. I asked um, if I had to pay to get in. I asked <laughs> if my parents had to be Christian for me to be allowed to even come. I had like no concept at all for what I was getting myself into. And when I started going, I remember being in like little breakout sessions at youth group and just asking so many questions. And I think these kids who had been like Christians their whole life were probably kind of annoyed, like, doesn't this girl like know this already, you know? But they created a space for me where I felt welcomed and allowed to ask all the questions that I had as, a, as not a follower of Jesus. And the, simultaneously, as I was going to school, I began to like notice that some of the kids in that youth group, they were, they were in my math class, they were in my science class, they were in PE with me, and they had seen me, and, and God was so gracious and like brought me to church anyways, but man, I had wished, like I wish that I had, one of them had had like the eyes to see and the ears to like hear like what God was like doing in this like girl, this random girl, you know, in their third, third period math class, and what, um, as we prepare for Alpha and as we um, think about doing this, sorry, Alpha is an 11-week dinner conversation centered around asking questions, creating a safe space for people to ask questions um, around spirituality and around following Jesus. And so what we want to do is invite you guys into being those people that are aware and asking yourself, who is it that God might already be doing something in that I can invite to Alpha, um, that I can ask? Um, maybe it's people that you already know who have asked you, like about church, about your spirituality, or about your faith. Um, so if you guys are okay with that, I'm going to actually show you how to register, and then we will actually break up to just pray and to ask God um, a couple of questions. First, like, who are you already doing something in? And then secondly, if you're new here and you're wondering and you have questions yourself, um, you might want to register today using either the card on your seat or with our website. So you guys can actually lead people to this website. If you go to Restored Uptown, I'm going to walk you through it, restoreduptown.com backslash alpha, and you can actually, all of the information that you need is right here. So if you can just scroll, Brennan. There's a video how it works. It's going to be starting on May 1st, and you can register to sign up with the button. And it is free. Alpha is no cost to the people coming. And then when you go to sign up, 
you also are welcome to come the first week. If you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus and you want to join your friend, you want to be that bridge into bringing them into the community, into the Alpha dinner, when you click sign up for Alpha, it's going to take you to Planning Center. And if you're a member of the church, you are very familiar with Planning Center. Um, when you register, it'll give you the option to just say launch night only. And just you want to register yourself, register your friend, and then let us know you're coming. So that's there. And also we give you guys two invitations on your seat that you're welcome to take to invite anyone that you would like. So again, we're going to just break up and we're going to ask like the spirit of God, just like two questions. Who have you already placed like in my life? Like who are you already doing a work in that I can invite to Alpha? And then if you are not a follower of Jesus, we just encourage you to ask yourself and contemplate like, is this something that I desire to be a part of? So I'll just kick us off in prayer and then you guys can break up into groups. Yeah, Jesus, we um, just thank you for the reminder that you have like welcomed us as Christians to embody um, hospitality and embody um, love to the people around us. Um, I pray that as we break up into groups and pray, God, that you would highlight um, the people that you're already doing something in, that we just get to partner with you um, in inviting them to be a part of this dinner and conversation for 11 weeks, God. Um, whether it's our neighbors, like Jackie shared across the street, or someone that maybe we're going to class with, or a coworker who we see every day um, in their cubicle, or um, wherever we work. And so I pray, God, that you would reveal that to us, that you would help us, um, to discern your voice and that you would bring people to yourself um, through this church-wide um, invite, God, to Alpha. And we love you. Amen. All right, so what we're going to do right now is we're going to, um, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, member of our church, we'd love for you to join us in praying for the people that God might invite to Alpha. Um, we might welcome in. Uh, so just want to just break up with people around you. If you're here today and you're not, you're like, man, I don't think I'm a Christian or whatever, or I'm not a member of this church, uh, or you just don't feel like praying. There's no pressure to pray if you want to just kick it. Um, I do, just spoiler alert, sometimes we do pray at church together, and so you can expect that here sometimes. Uh, but you don't have to partake if you don't want to. But for the rest of us, uh, we'd love to break up for just five minutes. Just pray and ask God. So we'll, we'll strum, uh, Mario will strum, and if you guys want to just like um, quietly ask God if there's anyone in your life for a name, of someone, again, that um, you think I might be working in, or just say, hey, is there anyone you want me to invite? Maybe there's someone that you wouldn't expect that the Spirit brings to mind. And so, in the words of Jack, are you a Christian? Pray, and there's some wisdom for you, all right? So, I'm going to um, pray into just a time of prayer, if you guys want to spread out, just get with the people around you, and um, we'll have a short time of prayer, and then we'll sing one worship song, and then we'll be um, on our way this morning. Um, Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to welcome us in. Um, I love that throughout the Gospels, um, it just blows my mind, whether it's a, a woman who is a racial minority, who is looked down on um, for the sin in her life and her, um, her ethnic background, or it's a man who has been possessed by demons for years. You take people who are brand new to the story, who aren't necessarily respected by the culture that they're in, and you give them dignity and purpose, and you don't ask them to go get a seminary degree before they talk to people about you. Um, I love what you say, you know, in Mark 4, when you send um, 
the man who you delivered from demons. He said, man, just go and tell people how the Lord has had mercy on you. Not <laughs> break down apologetics and theology and politics and um, race and gender and sexual orientation and philosophy and science. Like you just go, just tell them what, what <laughs> just tell people what I've done in your life and that would be enough. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would help us to be people who bear witness to who you are through our lives and that we'd be people who invite in, who go out and invite in the way that you've sent so many out to invite back in. And I do right now want to ask God, I want to ask, um, just by faith, I want to ask for 15 people um, to be a part of Alpha in some form or fashion besides the, the leadership team, uh, 15 people to wrestle with what they believe and why. And I ask God that, that they would walk away touched by Jesus, knowing Jesus, moving towards Jesus. And so, Lord, right now, would you, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us and, and bring people to mind and help us to represent you this week um, to invite people as we look at May 1st coming up a week from today, you know, that night. Um, I pray it would be a really beautiful night at Hardyhood and that people um, would experience something fresh of your church, of your spirit, of your son. In Jesus' name, amen.